Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Welcome to Pit Pass Moto, the show that brings you deep dive interviews with the motorcycle industry insiders and racers that make the sport move. I'm host Dale Spangler, and this week my guest is Jeremy Shoney, a former motocross racer turned off-road advocate and 2023 International Six Days Enduro competitor. This episode is brought to you by Moto America. See the fastest racing on two wheels. It's Moto America Superbikes at Brainerd, July 28th through the 30th with six classes including Superbikes, Supersport, Stock 1000, Junior Cup, King of the Baggers, and the Women's Build Train Race Series. It's fun for the entire family with kids under 12 free with a paying adult and available VIP packages for the ultimate fan experience. It's Moto America Superbikes at Brainerd July 28th through the 30th. Reserve your tickets and a camping spot today at MotoAmerica.com. Let's get started. I'd like to welcome Jeremy Shoney. Welcome to Pit Pass Moto. How are you today? What are you up to? Probably more important, where the heck are you? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Thanks, Dale. I'm in uh, Chalice, Idaho today. Uh, We came up to Idaho for the Climb Cow Tag Ride at an event that's sponsored by Climb um, that's in Rigby. They do this event every year that is a, it's kind of a charity thing where you come up, they have a, you know, pre-designated route. You pick up some, uh, that's kind of interesting, these tags along the trail that you ride to, turn those in for prizes. And and so all the money goes to uh, off-road motorcycle clubs in Idaho uh, helping, you know, keep motorized trail open. So it's a, it's a neat, it's a neat thing. It's a neat thing for Climb to give back to, uh, you know, the motorcycle community. Yeah, we're just uh, doing some riding and uh, hanging out in the RV. Uh, my girlfriend and I, she rides moto as well. So we're, uh, yeah, having fun. Yeah, it kind of almost sounds like a little bit of like an Easter egg hunt slash, you know, poker run type setup, you know, that that climb event. That sounds really fun. It is. It was a, it was a really good time. I had, I think, well, gosh, six or eight of my friends came and met us. Uh, Lyndon Smith from Seat Concepts was here riding with us. Some guys from Colorado that put on uh, the Shady Burrow Enduro a guy named Jubal Brown that you probably know that's oh, yeah. part. Yeah. Yep. He, he came up and hung out with us and rode. So yeah, it has a good, uh, not only social time, but just fun riding as well. Is that something where they move the location each year? Cause I don't remember them doing it in chalice before, because I think they've done it in like East Southeast Idaho too, where climb is actually based, right? Yeah. They rode out of, I think last year, last few years, they rode out of Kelly Canyon, which you're probably familiar with. So they changed to chalice this year and, and then they, they did a, a survey to see where everybody wanted to again next year. So I think they'll be back in Chalice again. Nice. Yeah. I mean like that whole Stanley Chalice, that whole region is just pretty incredible. I mean, there's like all kinds of little hidden hot springs and all kinds of cool things like that in that area. Yeah. Oh, it's gorgeous. Absolutely. And then, you know, there's so much to do in Idaho anyway. There's so much single track to ride and, and all kinds of things to do. You can't, you can't even think about doing it all. Well, 
before we hopped on here, you I was looking back through our notes and I didn't remember this, but you actually were on the, the Pit Pass Moto podcast for a year. <laughs> you spent a year being a host with Tony Wink and I think it was Scott Casper when he was back on there. Yep, so Scott I mean, I think the show that really kind of shows how, how far it goes back. Cause I think it was, that had to be 10 years ago now, right? <laughs> oh, easy. It was before I moved to Colorado. I was still living, living in Iowa and uh, yeah, did it for a year with the guys and it was a lot of fun. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Really, really interesting, interesting thing. But, you know, like, like you guys know, you got to really dedicate yourself to it. And, uh, it was a, I think we recorded every Tuesday night, so it was a good time. So I was excited to see that, you know, you were a part of it and, uh, and the name and everything was moving forward. So I love it. Well, the main reason I wanted to have you on today is, well, of course, just to talk with you, cause I always enjoy talking with you, but I really want to talk about your participation in this year's international six days enduro ISDE event. And at age 50, I mean, that's pretty <laughs> dang cool. You're challenging yourself with this goal to go over and race the six days. This year is what, uh, San Juan. Argentina. Correct. Wow. I mean, you get to go to super rad places. You did race one one other time. You're already a silver medalist from 2013. Yep. 10 years ago. So yeah, talk about this, man. Like how did this idea come about? The idea to challenge yourself to do this at, you know, 50 years old. Pretty cool. Yeah. I, you know, so 10 years ago, um, it's funny, I'm, you know, moved to Colorado and kind of grew up being a, a motocross guy and kind of switched over and and that's actually how you and I met Dale originally yeah. back in the early nineties. And, you know, you had an amazing motocross and supercross career and, and we met and I was trying to, you know, be like you at that point. <laughs> and, uh, just, you know, I, I transitioned from riding motocross into racing motocross into uh, doing off-road events and moved to Colorado and, uh, met some guys in Colorado who were qualifying for ISDE. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to give it a shot. I knew a couple of guys from my home state of Iowa that had gone that I really looked up to and, knew the you know the event itself was just one of those things where it's like wow if you can qualify for six days that's huge and uh so yeah in 2013 i i came up and raced the idaho city qualifier and ended up being selected uh to go i think it was e3 um that i qualified for you know raced six days in 2013 along with um, a lot of rocky mountain enduro circuit events after that i i just really stopped racing i you know kind of not burned out but i rode motorcycles a lot adventure bikes and, and off-road and, you know, lived in Colorado and bought a house up in the mountains. And so just did a lot of off-road riding. I really didn't race other than one event per year, the Takati Enduro. We go down as a group of guys uh, from Colorado. I think there's usually 12 of us that go and race Takati and it's just a really fun deal. And so this year we're on our way down. My good friend, George Pennington, he he says, well, what do you think about doing the, the National Enduros this year? And, and I'm in a place in my life. I'm like, yeah, let's do that. So we committed to racing National Enduro, started doing that, and the uh, the West Coast ISD qualifier came up, which was in the Knolls in Utah. And I thought, you know what? I'm riding a lot. I feel good. I've, I've dropped some weight. I'm going to go ahead and let's try to qualify in the over 40 division. Went, spent the weekend, had a good weekend, and here we are going to six days again 10 years later. So <laughs> really, really fortunate. That's super cool. Well, so for those out there that might not be familiar with the uh, International Six Days Enduro, Maybe just kind of give a little overview, since you've been there once and you're going to be going again, of what makes this event so unique and, and so difficult at the same time. So the event itself takes place every year, and sometimes people call it the Olympics of, of motorcycle racing because you have, gosh, I can't remember how, maybe 20 different countries that compete. They send different uh, racers every year to the event to you know represent their country. And so I'm on what they call a club team. So there's 
you know, a trophy team that consists of, you know, the factory racers and factory guys. There's a, a women's trophy team with three of the best women uh, motorcycle off-road racers in the U.S. that, that uh, represent. And then there's, uh, gosh, I th- and I don't know the exact number, I have to apologize, but I think there's maybe six of us club teams of three each. And so uh, the club team guys have to race an East Coast or a West Coast qualifier to be selected for the team. And so when we go, uh, we ship our motorcycles to whatever host country it is that year. Like you said, Dale, this year it's, uh, it's Argentina. Um, and then it's a six-day event where we race five days of, uh, I think it's 180 kilometers per day, uh, which is off-road, you know, single track. And then you'll have special tests that are probably 10 miles each. And you're scored every day based on your, your times in the special tests and maintaining a specific trail speed as well. And then the sixth day is a motocross test. And that's the last day. So it's a, an event that not only you have to race and ride well and go fast, but you also have to maintain your own motorcycle, make sure you don't break anything. Um, there's certain things on the motorcycle you can't change out. Um, you have to maintain the same hubs, the same exhaust, the same frame, um, certain components that if you break them, you're, you're out of the race. But it's a, yeah, it's a challenge not over only to ride well, but also to, uh, to keep your motorcycle intact for that six days uh, to be able to finish. Yeah, you really kind of have to be a jack of all trades in a lot of ways, because like you said, you have to be able to work on your motorcycle. You have to be able to change tires quickly, think on your feet. And then you've got the moto background, too. So that has to probably help a little bit, especially for full off-road only guys. Uh, I guess a lot of them do come from moto, especially in Europe, you know, to come race enduro. But but still, so yeah, it's like you have to be really well-rounded to be able to, one, do well, and then to, just to even finish, you know, to be able to, you know, get to the finish line, being able to change air filters, do all that stuff, keep your bike running. So there's just so much to it to, to think back now and that you got a silver medal. I mean, that just shows the level that you're at. You got to be pretty proud of that. Yeah, I am. I appreciate that. I know I've I've been a pretty blessed life and been able to do a lot of the things I want to do and, you know, raise two beautiful daughters and and still feel good at, you know, 51 years old to be able to compete at this level. It, for me, it's like, wow, un- un- unbelievable. And, you know, I kind of was a late bloomer. I didn't race many, many bikes. I didn't race, you know, really race motorcycles until I was 18. And, and so I uh, just you know, really, really fortunate to be healthy enough to do this. And, you know, especially at 51 years old and not really racing for the last 10 years. So it was kind of a shock to me, (laughs) but uh, yeah, really, really fortunate. But you've probably like, you've put so many miles, like since you've moved to Colorado, I just see your photos all the time. I mean, you're just living the off-road life, which is super cool. (laughs) But to kind of back up a little bit, like this year's event, you know, like that six days event, there's just so much to it. Like even logistically, like you're saying, you have to build and ship your bike months ahead of time. So like you've You've probably already shipped your bike. You know, it's already in the process of getting to Argentina, I would assume. Yeah. And then, of course, you know, the costs are just astronomical. So you got to, you know, try and raise some funds to be able to get to these events. You know, you're looking at probably maybe 40 elite riders that go to the event from each country, you know, like counting all the club teams and and the factory riders. So, I mean, it's pretty special. I agree. I agree. Yeah, I I feel real fortunate to be where I am for sure. And uh, yeah, we're building the bike. Um, It's in process now. We have to have uh, have the bike shipped to be in the container in in August. And uh, then, you know, everything gets loaded up. They send the container over and uh, we all converge and unload the container, set bikes up and it's a go from there. And this is also another interesting year because the last time I went in 2013, 
we had three of us from uh, from Colorado that were on a, on club teams as well, Ian Blythe, Scott Bright, and myself. And so now 10 years later, we have another three-man Colorado or three guys from Colorado with uh, Scott Bright's son, Chase, uh, Rick Emerson, another just amazingly talented motorcycle rider myself. So it's, so it's neat in that aspect. And also this will be the last year that over 40 guys have a chance to qualify as, as a, you know, as an age group. And so, uh, so that's pretty special as well. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. That's really cool. So this is like, man, you're just getting it. You're <laughs> right in at the last <laughs> minute, huh? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. The, so the FIM, um, years ago adopted, you know, sending guys that are over 40, but it really never stuck and caught on other than the U S and so now the FIM and, and every, all the countries are making a push to send more uh, women athletes uh, to go. And so next year, there'll be a trophy team of women and also a club team of women instead of, of the, uh, the age group. So that's exciting to see because, you know, as an industry as a whole, we see more and more, you know, really, really good uh, women motorcyclists out there. So this is neat to see them be able to get on this uh, as well and, you know, be in front of the world. Absolutely. Yeah, I just returned from the uh, Harley-Davidson 120. 20th anniversary celebration in uh, Milwaukee this past week. And I saw so many women motorcyclists. It was super cool. To, like, it was just, it was refreshing to get out and see so many like couples, you know, like a husband and wife riding with their own bikes. And based upon what I saw last week, you know, I feel good about where motorcycling's going. So that's cool to hear that they're going to try and bring more women into the, you know, the six days event. For a moment there, I thought maybe it might be insurance related because I feel like we've been hearing so much about all these events starting to become really difficult to put on because of insurance problems. So hopefully that's not the case. <laughs> no, no. I, and it's funny, we had a conversation um, in the last couple of days about the countries that are hosting ISDE and how difficult it's getting to, you know, host an event like this because of, of land use issues more so than anything. And, you know, the last time that the event was in the United States was, I think, 1992. Oklahoma. Yeah, yeah, down in Tulsa, and and so every year we're just seeing you know it be more and more complicated to uh, to host an event. Well, I saw where you know at the club team you're riding for this year is the uh, I'm going to in air quotes here the Elizabeth Scott Community Club Team alongside Rick Emerson and John Beale. Is that your is that the two other guys on the team? Yeah, yeah, yeah those are the guys on my team. You bet. So what's the story behind the Elizabeth Scott Community? I mean, what are your goals together as a team? Yeah, most of the club teams are supported by someone who's just an enthusiast of ISDE. And so, see, the Elizabeth Scott community is the same way. Um, the gentleman's been involved with uh, with helping Six Days Riders for a long, long time. And and so, typically, uh, you'll see a sponsor like um, Elizabeth Scott Communities or, you know, S Steve Hatch is putting a team together. And, and it's really just trying to help guys and support guys that, that, want, that you know, that have the passion to go. You know, all of us this year are on are, are all the age group guys. John Beal, uh, Rick Emerson, and I. And so, you know, it's more, I guess I should say, it's more still pretty individual results. Um, but, you know, we're kind of grouped together as, uh, as the old guy team. So that's that's fun as well. So what are, what are your uh, expectations? You know, I would assume you definitely want to finish, but are there any like kind of personal goals that you're uh, kind of shooting for? Oh, absolutely. I want a gold medal this year. Um, in 2013, I, you know, I knew when I fell off the pace enough to go from gold to silver. And so the, the whole goal is you have to stay within a certain time frame of the leader of your class. And so when you fall behind that, you go from gold to silver. If you stay, you know, within a certain time frame, you stay on gold. If you fall back a minute, you potentially go to silver and then, you know, and then bronze. And so, uh, yeah, it was interesting in Sardinia in 2013, the specific section that we raced, I was right on time 
Uh, we raced that section two days in a row. I was right on time as a really gnarly creek bed that led up into this mountain section. And, you know, there, it was like a yard sale in that creek because I, I call it the, you know, it was a creek or river full of bowling balls and <laughs> wet and just everybody's bikes overheating. And it was, it was a really a struggle. I came through that into the test and I was right on time and didn't have time to do anything but to get a splash of gas. So I was trying to, you know, the next day, make sure that I rode hard enough and, and kept that time frame. And unfortunately I didn't fell behind that minute and that's when i went from gold to silver so yeah this year i want to have the gold medal for sure which uh, obviously that's what everyone wants to do but i feel good that i can finish but let's let's get a gold medal we'll get back to the conversation in one moment but first here's a word from our sponsor Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You're kind of being an example of what, you know, someone 50 years old can still do. I feel like we've seen this trend in a lot of sports, especially in Supercross and Motocross. That was the talk last year. What was like these 30-something guys with a wife and kids and, you know, like, they're the ones that have kind of hit their prime. And I think it probably is to do with a lot of the way they're training these days. But I mean, still, I feel like there's a lot of these records that are being set with, you know, kind of defying age in a lot of ways. So in some ways, I think you're going to be a great example of that as well. Oh, I appreciate that. And I think just looking back on the last 50 years of my life, and there's a lot more information out there as far as eating healthy and doing different things. And, you know, and I, and I unfortunately have not been the person who's been great at training. I love to ride my motorcycle, but boy, if you take me to the gym, I've got ADD and I don't, I don't function well. So, but just, you know, changing my eating habits and doing things different, just because I think there's more information out there. I grew up in the Midwest and there wasn't a lot of information about how to eat healthier and how to do things. And, and so now I feel like in the last, you know, 10, 15 years, I've, I've changed that. And, and, uh, yeah, I feel really, really good. So, uh, just, you know, continuing that somewhat healthy lifestyle and riding my motorcycle and, you know, just leading a, a good, happy life, I guess. I, I would imagine you've been getting a lot of seat time. I'm calling you the man in the van right now, just kind of cruising around, like living your life, just having fun. Like you said, riding, being a climate ambassador, going to events like the Nevada 200 and, you know, Utah qualifier, all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, it just has to be a pretty fun way to go about your training routine for the six days. You know, are they doing anything outside of that, practicing your tire changes and all that kind of stuff? Oh yeah, absolutely. Tire changing is huge. Um, you have that time, you know, that, that short period of time in the evening after you ride, you know, 180 kilometers to ch change your tires. And so, yeah, I definitely doing the tire changing, you know, we, we did a eight mile bicycle ride yesterday, which, you know, is something that's not in my norm, but I'm fortunate to have a, a good partner on my side, Jen. And she, she's like, well, let's go on this bicycle ride. I'm like, okay. So, uh, so that, yeah, so that's, that's new for me and it felt good. And so we'll continue doing that. And, uh, again, just a lot of, a lot of seat time. And the piece of that too, though, when you talk about riding and thinking about, okay, I have, you know, I have to stay healthy and I hate to, you know, I need to knock on wood, but you know, between now and November, I, I going to be racing we're heading to pennsylvania this coming weekend for another enduro national but i've got to stay healthy and i've got to 
you know, there's that fine line, Dale, you know, you, you, you got to push yourself to win, but you can't push yourself so hard where you're potentially going to not be able to finish, you know, oh, yeah. think about your, you know, your racing career. And I got to finish out this entire series in order to be where you are. And so that's kind of where I, I am on a different level, of course, but just let's ride, let's have fun, but make sure that we're, we stay healthy for the end, the end goal. Yeah, that's true. I hadn't even thought about that. But yeah, you put that much into an event like that, like I said, just the the costs of getting there and prepping the bike. So you kind of definitely have to be conscious of that, unfortunately. You know, can't just be cone for it. You know? Exactly. <laughs> Send it in every race, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly. So. so you mentioned earlier, so like, you know, you're from the Midwest, like I am, you know, and then eventually moved west to Colorado, like I did to Idaho. When was it, though, that you kind of decided to make that transition to off-road? Because I know you said, like, you and I met at Arena Cross, you know, like our buddy Jim Hickman. And, you know, it was just such a fun series. We had so many crazy, incredible times with that series. Yeah. But, like, when was it that you said, you know, like, I think I'd rather focus on off-road. And then I assume that's why you moved to Colorado, because you went there a few times. and You're like, this is where I need to be. Yeah, I, I think I r raced my first, like, local kind of hair scramble and in the late nineties probably and, and did pretty well and thought, okay, this is cool. I can, I can do this, but you know, I wasn't really an off-road guy and did, you know, did some local stuff and, and enjoyed it. And then we always, we always rode the mountains of Colorado. We always went to South Dakota and rode, you know, rode that off-road trail as well. And eventually, you know, my wife at the time, she wanted to move to Colorado or she'd, she'd lived there before and she wanted to move to Colorado. And so, uh, you know, the time was right. And so we, we went out there and when I got to the altitude of, you know, Colorado, the Denver area and the mountains, I did better. I felt the dry air was better for me. And, you know, I felt really, really good and learned quickly that I could do, you know, pretty hard 120 mile days. And, uh, and it felt good for me. And so that's, that's at the point it's like, okay, well, let's do some of these mountain enduros and let's do some Texas races and some things like that. And, and it was just, I don't know, not, not necessarily my calling, but what I really enjoy. And, you know, as we grow up and we race motocross, you'd spend the entire day at the track for however many motos you can get in where when you do an off-road race, you're getting some really, really good days in uh, with some high mileage. And it's just, I think, kind of more bang for your buck in a way. So it was, it was good. It was just kind of an easy no-brainer for me to go, yeah, this is what I'm going to do. Colorado, less humidity, less tornadoes. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, exactly. I mean, it's like... Yeah. So now that you've been there a while, like one of the things I want to talk about too is this really cool place that you, I think you own it, the Single Track Shack, which uh, in the Sargent's area of Colorado, it looks like just a slice of heaven <laughs> where people can come rent the place and ride dirt bikes, right? Yeah. I bought, the, I bought this house probably 10 years ago and it was more of a just something for me to be able to base out of and friends to ride out of. And it's based right in a, in a, an area that has just hundreds and hundreds of miles of really good single track riding. And so as I remodeled it and, you know, we, we rode out of there, I thought, you know what, this would be pretty cool to put this up as kind of a moto Airbnb or I guess moto VRBO yeah. um, and started renting it. So yeah, I've just opened it up to guys that you know, I'm not there. They, they just come in and stay and you can ride dirt bikes right out of the driveway and it's turned into a, a pretty neat thing. That's been a big part of my life the last 10 years as well. And again, having, like you said, just kind of having a little slice of paradise and, and, uh, combining it with, uh, with motorcycles and met a lot of really great people because of it. And, and hopefully have given some guys, you know, a, a great experience in their life to be able to, to enjoy that and enjoy what I have. But uh, yeah, it's been it's been good. Um, we may see the end of that soon, just because I'm 
you know, kind of hit that point where I'm like, yeah, what's, what's next. And, but no, it's been, it's been a neat, it's been a neat thing. And the house itself has kind of taken on a, a life of its own and its own, you know, it's gotten kind of popular. So it's kind of cool too. Well, another thing I, about you I've noticed is you're, you're a big advocate for keeping single track open and accessible and for, you know, proper trail etiquette. You know, and I feel like that's a, that's something that we all need to know more about. And, you know, tell us a little bit more about that, your passion for this type of uh, trail advocacy. So, again, moving to Colorado and riding some of the trails and meeting some people and just seeing what, as motorcyclists, we're up against as far as, you know, keeping our right to ride, especially with, you know, mountain single track. Uh, got involved with a, an organization called the Trail Preservation Alliance. You know, they have a, an event every year called the Colorado 600 that raises uh, money to pay lawyers to help fight keep single track trail open. And on top of that, we... Uh, we always do a couple of trail work parties a year, so we'll go out and assist the Forest Service in, in maintaining trail. Uh, we go out in the in the spring and uh, with chainsaws and you know clear trees that uh, have uh, fallen across the trail, so you don't get route arounds and and really, yeah, like I said, it's just advocacy. It's just you know, hey, you know, let's not tear things up. Let's you know tread lightly. Let's uh, you know have spark arresters and do everything we need to do to, to be good uh, advocates and and. Uh, for the, for the trail and, and be able to keep these things open for us so we have a right to ride them, you know? Absolutely. I'm curious to know how you, how you balance all this, because I know you have a, a professional career also. Um, I think you've been in the, the flooring industry <laughs> for quite some time. And, you know, so how do you do that, like living on the road and, you know, do your riding at the same time? That was definitely a past life. I worked with my hands for years and, and had a flooring installation contracting business for years and uh, was fortunate to um, be hired by a flooring manufacturer as a technical rep. And so for, for eight years, I, I traveled and uh, taught installers how to install our product and, you know, dealt with job start issues and concrete moisture issues and all these things. Two years ago, I uh, I stepped away from that technical role, and now I'm 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 in sales. Um, so it's been uh, just a really another really good move for me. I never thought I was a salesperson. Um, I still don't really consider myself a salesperson. I just you know answer the phone and and be there for people when they need me. Um, so with the sales role, it's given me some more time to be able to play on the weekends and and do some things. And um, I have a four state territory, and uh, so it's you know just calling on flooring contractors and architects and uh, answering the phone and giving pricing, you know, all the, all the things that a, that a good salesperson does. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm able to also enjoy my, uh, my hobbies. And I think just makes me a happy, more well-rounded person being able to do all of it, you know? So it's been good. Well, I can see you picking that up pretty quickly because you're a conversationalist is kind of why I look at you. You're just, no, I mean, you're the guy that like is easy to talk to. You like to talk to people. So I feel like that's a huge part of sales, you know, like being likable, being easy to talk to. And so I can see where you probably hit the the ground running with that one. No problem. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. You know, it's weird because I, I started off my work life and career life in a motorcycle shop. And so it was always my goal to be in the motorcycle industry. And that never really came to fruition for me. So I went down the path of the flooring, you know, the flooring business and it's been great. You know, things happen for a reason. And so, you know, here I am able to, you know, continue with that professionally in the flooring industry and and also just maintain my, you know, doing my motorcycle thing so that they have their separate lives of each other, where if maybe I was in the motorcycle industry, it wouldn't be as good. You know, <laughs> who knows? I don't know. 
<laughs> well, speaking of the industry, like you mentioned, you have two daughters, and I, I saw where one of your daughters seems to be kind of following in your footsteps with a, a love of motorcycles. And uh, like, I think she has some graphic design and writing skills. Is she trying to maybe get into the power sports industry? She is. Yeah. Haley Ray's, uh, she's trying really hard. She's such a, a great, a great kid and, and just, you know, really, really uh, trying hard to, to be part of the industry. And, and she's had a, a pretty good travel life of her own. And, you know, she went to school um, in New York city and she's lived in California and she's lived in Mexico and she's currently uh, out in Baltimore. Um, and so I think she's got a couple things that are hinging right now now to depending where she may where she may be so yeah i'm really proud of her for uh for going after that she loves to ride her motorcycle that's for sure yeah i mean i was just gonna say it just has to be from just growing up and being around that environment all the time i would assume yeah she's she's really in the last uh, couple years just you know gotten back into it more so in the from the past because she was going to school in some different places and uh and so she's uh she's got a huge passion for it well, Jeremy, I'm looking forward to see how things go for you this year at the at the International Six Days Enduro, and it's the 97th running of the FIMISDE. It takes place November 6th through the 11th, San Juan, Argentina, and I saw that you recently did uh, an ISDE support raffle drawing, uh, but how else can uh, any of our uh, listeners out there support your ISDE effort this year? Oh, man. I You know, it's such a, I don't know what the word for it is, but it's interesting, you know, in the past doing fundraisers and that kind of thing. And I, and I told myself if I ever made it again, that I wouldn't probably ask for anything. It's, you know, when you look across the world and, and see people having issues and, and, uh, you know, struggling with different things that it's for me tough to say, Hey, you know, you support me by giving me money to race my motorcycle. It just, it feels bad. But yeah, if people want to get involved, I'm, I'm not going to say no, of course. I'm going to have some uh, some six days t-shirts for sale. Obviously, yeah, if guys want to throw some money towards me to uh, to say they helped out, I'm more than happy about that. They can reach me, you know, Venmo, PayPal, whatever they want to do. But um, I've just, again, been very, very fortunate with the, with the sponsors. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I'll have some t-shirts available. My Facebook page is, you know, just my name, Jeremy Schoening, if you want to connect with me there and all the social stuff, uh, Instagram and yeah, reach out and say hi and uh and I appreciate, you know, any words of encouragement and tips and tricks that somebody, you know, that's done this before might have for me. And uh, yeah, I look forward to hearing from everybody. Well, Jeremy, appreciate you coming on today and sharing some of your story. It was uh, it's fun chatting with you again. And uh, anything else you want to share with our listeners before we uh, close out this episode, go right ahead. Well, I'd really definitely like to thank the, you know, the tons of people who support me. Um, Trail Trick Suspension, Javier's just been phenomenal this year and probably one of the key reasons i'm able to do this just because he makes my motorcycle work so well mission valley cycles uh climb um girlfriend jen she's been huge support um, my mom parents of course uh yeah i've got tons i've got tons of sponsors and kind of caught me off guard thinking about all of the all of the people that help so um yeah crested butte uh crossfit CJ, she's helped me with, uh, with some workout routines and things that have, you know, helped me as well. And yeah, just, I mean, so many people, you, you know, you know, Dale, you've been there as well. No, I, I just appreciate everyone's support and, and, uh, again, very, very, very thankful to, uh, you know, to be where I am in life. And so I, I appreciate you bringing me on. Let me, let me run my mouth for <laughs> 30 minutes. <laughs> Looking forward to be rooting for you to, to score that gold this year. And, uh, yeah, more than anything, just have fun on your dirt bike, right? So. Yeah, absolutely. That's what it boils down to. 
All the best, brother, and appreciate you coming on today. Okay, buddy. I appreciate you very much. If you enjoyed this episode, follow Pit Pass Moto on your favorite podcast listening app so you never miss an episode. And if you have a moment, please rate and review our show. We'd greatly appreciate it. You can also follow us on social media or visit pitpassmotorsports.com where you can listen to the past episodes and check out the new Pit Pass Motorsports blog powered by Podium Life, featuring articles and industry news focused exclusively on two-wheel and four-wheel motorsports. Head to pitpassmotorsports.com to check it out. I'm Dale Spangler. I hope you'll join us next week for another episode of Pit Pass Moto. Thanks for listening. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.